Welcome to the Art of Outreach. I'm Mike Mitchell. I'm the Director of Community Outreach for the Tennessee Art Education Association. I am also the Arts Director for Mount Pleasant Schools in Murray County, Tennessee. Today we have Jennifer Lamb, art teacher at Spring Hill High School with us today. Jennifer, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. So Jennifer, talk a little bit about your school, um, you know, how many kids you serve and the classes that you teach at Spring Hill High School. Okay, I teach at Spring Hill High School, which is, um, Spring Hill is a, a city that's divided into two counties, so we are more rural than the Williamson County side. We have about 1,200 kids. Our art department roughly sees about 800 um, kids. Um, we have a two-person program. I teach art one, art two, pre-AP, AP 2D, 3D, and drawing, and also an AP photography class. Wow, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> so before we get into all that that is, let's just go back and talk about um, why you wanted to become an art teacher and, and then a little bit about the story behind how you became an art teacher. Okay, I went to school for graphic design at UT Chattanooga and um, never thought I was going to ever step into a high school again and um, my first year I decided graphic design was too picky for me I, I like a little bit more freedom so I started um, my concentration became painting so I took every painting class I could take loved it that's my passion and my father, who's an engineer, said that um, I got to find something with a little bit more stable income. Because I was selling pieces even then, but you know, you get a thousand dollars for a piece, you might not see another thousand dollars for a year or two years or never. So that took me a little time to get used to. And I was talking to my professor, um, Ron Buffington, and he was telling me that I was good with people, so maybe think about teaching and. I had a hard time accepting that one for a little while because I didn't think I would ever go back into the, a school again. And um, I went to my first education class and we had to do a curriculum. I fell in love with writing curriculums. That has been my be all. I can, I can sit down and write curriculums for anything, lesson plans. Um, and I started seeing that I was good at that part, but I didn't know if I was going to be good at teaching. And so I did my student teaching at Chattanooga School for the Arts and Sciences and Saudi Daisy High School, which are two totally different schools, one city and focused on arts, and then one was a very rural town. Um, it didn't really like art so much, so I turned it more into a 3D architecture class, and I got to really play around with not staying comfortable like actually teaching for the kids, not for what my personal preference were. And so I think that made me a more well-rounded teacher instead of saying, oh, everybody's going to like what I like. And it went from there. So I taught, um, I taught two years in middle school, um, six years in elementary school, and um, the majority is in high school, I would say, five, six, seven. I think 12 years in high school. So you were at, yeah, were you at UT Chattanooga? I 
So, and I got, um, go ahead. So did you grow up in the Chattanooga area? No, I grew up in Wilmington, well, my later years was in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, my dad worked for the government, so we lived right outside of Washington, D.C. until sixth grade. Moved to Wilmington, North Carolina until 12th, and then I moved to Chattanooga. So, <laughs> and so, and not necessarily for art education or art? No, no, graphic design. Oh, oh gotcha. I, gotcha. I, you just said that. I'm already oh, like, no, in my head, I'm already clicking to the, um, the, so that switch, was the teacher that encouraged you to do teaching was a graphic design teacher? No, he was actually my painting teacher. Okay. Ron He's now the director of art at UTC. Great. Um, yeah, fabulous, fabulous guy, and he could pick out what I was good at, and he did that with everybody. That's amazing how those people can see that in in us before we can see it in ourselves, and and it's yeah. also amazing that um, when did you? This is a, a a question that comes directly out of this. When did you start noticing that you can do that for your own students? Oh taken some age because when I taught high school when I was in my 20s I was just trying to survive so I would say my later 30s and up I've been able to step away and look instead of taking things personally or taking things not for what they are so now I can step back and go okay what works best for this person and try to hone in on those things. What do you think it was about lesson planning and writing curriculum? And I want to get into that because you've said you've re, re, um, redone your curriculum. What do you think it is about that organization that, that, that you like so much? Because I, I don't know you extremely well, but I know you well enough to know that um, I was sitting by you in a PD and it wasn't a great session and you had your laptop open and I saw that you were working on a curriculum. It keeps my mind busy, but I, I don't want my kids to ever come into my classroom and not feel one safe, but two feel like they could do something. So like you'll have kids come into any art one class ever in the world and they'll say I can't draw mm -hmm. oh I can't do it this is class is not for me I'm just taking this to graduate and um, I don't want them to leave my class without getting something out of it like I had can I tell a story yes please oh good I had a kid um, he was a basketball star great kid awesome kid claimed he had no artistic um, abilities whatsoever. And I teach um, this one lesson in Art One where you learn how to draw an apple with an upside down triangle. And um, and it turns out to be a really good apple, the more, you know, more than not. And um, he, we had that lesson, he was excited, he was like, holy cow, I drew an apple, this is amazing. And um, he went to practice that day and broke his ankle. And when he was in the hospital on medicine or whatever, all he talked about to his parents was that he drew, he drew an apple and it looked real. And he started showing everybody how he drew the apple. I don't know why that's, <laughs> that's for me, but I don't know. It's those little things. It makes me giggle. And he still talks about it. And I don't 
don't know. I like those little personal where they go, Miss Lamb. I know I didn't like class all that much, but I did learn this one little thing from you. That's what I like. And so for you, it's the constantly refining where if they're, if you're not getting that kind of anecdotal feedback from projects for you, it means they're not working, right? They're Correct. not. And so, Correct. Oh, I'm always. And so it's, it, it's just like, it's like market testing. Like this one might stay in for an entire career because it's always the thing that helps do this. I haven't found anything better. Or you maybe Correct. switch it out one, one year, but always come back to it. So um, I love that idea of that kind of constantly refining um, your curriculum to make sure that those kids who likely aren't going to become professional artists are seeing whatever it is they're going to do through the lens of understanding that the reason they didn't become a professional artist has nothing to do with that they couldn't do it. It's just that's not where their proclivity was. Correct. I'll tell you another thing that's helped with my curriculum building is um, every nine weeks or every semester I started um, doing a survey on how um, they got to rate each um, project we did. Not only the project, but also my um, explaining the project, my grading of the project, and um, just their over, overall experience with the project. And when I do that, there's no names on their little voting sheets. Um, I don't want to, you know, they fold them up only once. I don't want to know whose it is. There's, I just want to know what's working honestly and what's not. And um, every once in a while, I'll get from a kid, look, it's a great lesson and it's fine, but you're not explaining the rubric as much as I needed it to be explained. So those silly things like that, that's what makes good teachers. And I'm by far not where I want to be, but... Being able to listen to the kids that are in, you know, in the class where you're supposed to be the ones giving, teaching them to get their feedback is huge. And I find a lot of teachers are scared to do that, mm -hmm. but then they teach, um, you know, to um, critique artwork. If you can't be critiqued in your teaching of art, you're not going to go to that next level. That's, so I do that a lot. That's really, really powerful. I'm going to repeat it. If you are trying to teach critique, but you're not willing to be critiqued, then you are not going to move to that next level. That's yep. really awesome. So speaking of next levels, you teach AP. Um, yes. We know that AP um, has gone through some changes in the last year. You just taught your first year of the kind of new, new AP um, standards. Uh, talk a little bit about why you decided to spend this time off that you've had because of COVID-19, rewriting all of that, but also talk about how you wrote it all the way backwards to Art One. Okay. Um, I, uh, I needed this year to kind of figure it out. We, I went to um, SCAD for the AP training last summer, and I got a lot of information, and a lot of the stuff that I was doing in past years for AP transitioned us to where it was a little easier probably for my kids than some of the other kids because we did sketchbooks in past years. We like to, I like for my kids to document. I like for kids to make mistakes um, and acknowledge them and move on from them or scrap an artwork. I want them to, you know, I wanted them to know that it's okay to mess up. So the new process 
um, you have quality works, which are five pieces, but instead of having 12 breath pieces, which is your understanding of art, and then 12 uh, concentration pieces, which was a, a, a storyline of art pieces in some way, shape, or form. Now they just have 15 pieces, which is within a sustained investigation. So you could, um, you could take, say, um, I don't know, a, um, I love bridges, and you want to uh, paint bridges. Well, you've got to know how to um, experiment with either your processes or with the bridge itself and drawing the bridge. You have to be able to practice some kind of skill within that. And then you've also got to um, make revisions within your work and acknowledge all of those. So not only do they just want to see the art, they want you to show the thought process behind it and um, kind of explain it. So with my curriculums in past, it does kind of feed to that a little bit easier than some you know teachers do art for the art's sake, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just find in my process it works better. So I made my new curriculum to um, enhance that a little bit more. In Art 1 and Art 2, my, um, we're a standard-based school, so we, um, we grade on standards. So we take the Tennessee standards and we, um, you know, do they understand how to critique or whatever. And we do it on a five-point scale. So everything we do for those kids is based on a, a one-to-five range. And then we convert that into um, grades. And all this stuff is on my website, too. So, it, you know, if anybody ever wants to um, look it up, I pretty much share everything just because I, I like the help, too. But um, so when they get into pre-AP, we don't base it on standard learning. We base it on the college um, or um, curriculum for AP, but it is aesthetic-based. So kids will get um, an aesthetic grade and also they'll get grades based on practice or revision or um, experimentation. And so that just builds. I think I, I hope I answered that. No, it's really it's I think that's really interesting how and it goes back to that whole idea of revision you know some people would have said well I didn't really get a full year because we didn't get the last nine weeks and I think because you are constantly willing to reassess, course correct in real time right one of my least favorite yes. things is when teachers say in the second nine weeks of a school year yeah next year i'll try that and they don't mean like the next calendar year they mean the next school year and i'm like but you have the rest of this nine weeks plus two more semesters i mean two more quarters and you're not going to fix it like come on and so um that really makes sense to me that even though you only had most of the year you already knew a rewrite because you don't mind the structure of what the AP courses give you because it still allows for plenty of exploration but since that's what you're going for and kids are taking that to pass that test you're figuring out the best way that you can do that yes. um, so one of the things the really how I met you was you invited me to your classroom to be a juror and yes. so you are as well as all these things we've talked about which I think are making you strong in your classroom and you are quite strong in your classroom um, 
and for those of you who are in and around somewhere within an hour or an hour and a half of Jennifer, if you ever want to come see somebody do something really great for a day, I would encourage you to go to Spring Hill High School and watch uh, Jennifer Lamb teach her art classes. It's really wonderful, and I've been around. I've been around a lot of um, really good and really great art teachers. And I learned a ton just in the, in the day I was there and was like, man, that's, this is great. So you seemingly want to give them as many authentic experiences, authentic assessments, assessments as possible. So yes, it's about AP, but you're also, your kids are uh, participating in the Nashville High School Art Show. They're participating in state fairs. They're participating in the Murray County um, art, art exhibit. So talk a little bit about why bringing folks into your classroom as professionals to talk to your students, but also why that's important and then also why you feel it's important that your students are participating in art exhibits. Um, for the exhibits in the classroom, I do a pop-up exhibit um, every year where kids, AP kids get a, a, a large area, a four by six plus a wall to display their work. I built that off of the IB principles, the International Baccalaureate. Um, they're end of the year um, evaluation. They do uh, a display. And so my curriculum and my rubric really comes from the IB curriculum. And so they have to, from start to finish, come up with how many pieces they're going to have, um, how are they going to display it, what the backdrop is going to look like. Um, what kind of labels they're going to use, if any, are they going to have explanations, um, lighting, um, any, anything and everything. So they get a question sheet where we, we break it down, like what pieces were your most important? What um, do you need a window for your exhibit? Do you need very little lighting? You know, all of these little things. And then they have to explain to me why they needed lighting. Why do they they needed the window and make them think through that process and yes maybe one out of every kid I have in a year will go on further than high school art but it makes them think no matter what they do okay I just can't throw a piece of paper down and say that's that's all I'm going to do think about am I going to put it in a, a notebook what kind of notebook is it going to be blinded is you know just those little details do help and then my pre-AP does a mini um, show at the same time. So while the, the AP kids are on the sides, I have like a, a long running table where they get a small, I don't know, um, how big was that? Was it 12 oh. by, it wasn't very big. Yeah, they, uh, they just... Yeah, they just have the they just have a small kind of space, like almost like a science fair size space. Yeah, like three feet by three feet maybe. Yeah. It wasn't that big, but they had enough to put their sketchbooks because again, that whole thought process of them going from um, idea to final piece. I want people to see the the process that the kids went through. So they always have their sketchbooks. They got to pick a few pieces. I think three pieces. Um, we make this organic paintbrush and do an, an abstract piece, so everybody had one of those. And then we have artists from um, the community come in and score. And they get um, score for best in show. There were competition things that they got to compete for. And then um, my 
artists went around and kind of gave little bits of information and and um, advice and you know comments and the kids were scared to death right before y'all came in and as soon as you finished talking to them just like my other artists um, they went oh that wasn't bad at all oh I loved how he said this and so they get over that fear of their little bubble of security and that it's okay to talk to people about your insecurities or you know whatever is going on I think I think the other thing they probably learned from that was those who listen to you about presenting is important probably didn't hear me talk about it much and as a result I was they were just getting the feedback about the thing that you want as an artist which was about the work and then and so that probably drove the point home to them of like yeah we got around talking about the work and the ideas which is probably what you and that individual were talking about too is because you didn't need to talk about the presentation because it the presentation was taken care of whereas I know that there was one particular kid where we really couldn't get around to talking about the work because the presentation was not good at all and Correct. and it wasn't that he had tried it was that he had not tried at all and it was something Correct. that you had been trying to address with him and I as nicely as I could, you know, said, hey, you need to, and, and I'm sure that was helpful for him to not be like, oh, Miss Lamb's just trying to get, like, he, this, these other people also saw it. It's like reinforcing the idea of, hey, to get around to talking about your work, you have to present it in such a way where that's what can be discussed. Otherwise, people are just talking about, why is that wire hanging? Or how come I can see the wall? And, you know, um, and the work for the most part was so good that I think that's the other thing is that when you position those kinds of opportunities for kids to exhibit, even if it's in your classroom, right? Like I think a lot of people get caught up in that they have to have exhibition space with white walls and gallery lighting to have exhibits. And yours is a, is a real classroom with uh, that just for a day is transformed as much as the kids want to work. I think that's the other part for me that I noticed is that I'm sure the kids who did not put the work in, you know, I can say all I want to my son, but if his peers say it to him, he's going to hear them in a different way. Um, oh, hands down. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that's the other part of why it's so important to, to, to have gallery walks and to have those kinds of exhibitions, even though they're not in a, a true kind of gallery spaces because it positions kids to, to see each other's work in um, in ways that um, create that really kind of positive competition to be able to be like oh man I, yes. I really need to make, make this better um, so how long before did, have you always done that in your classroom or did you I have, oh sorry go ahead no I was just wondering like was there did you have a situation did you visit someone else's classroom did you have you know an, like one of those epiphanies where you're like oh I need to start doing this or have you just always done that when I taught at Columbia Central High School, back even when I was in my early, early 20s, they did an end-of-the-year um, senior show, and I, I built it off of that. They didn't do pop-up exhibits. Like, I'll do one in December, and I'll do another one in, um, in May or April, and this one was just an end-of-the-year thing, so... I took off of that the things that I had learned and I wanted kids 
to understand for the pop-up, yes, it's a pop-up, so you don't have much time to plan, but here's your guidelines, go for it, and think about it. And kids have a tendency to think that their teacher is going to do stuff for them, and that's, it's not the case at all with the pop-up exhibit. Now, at the end of the year, I will guide them a little bit more, but that's only for AP if they need it. But once they have that experience of the pop-up, um, they understand what they need to do for their own show. And so at the end of the year, the kids will, we have a built-in uh, case right outside my door, so they'll get a full case, and they will have to um, make a poster, make invitation cards, um, and we have just like four by six uh, photos that we, you know, print it off on. And then we'll get 11 by 14 posters. And they actually have to, you know, put the posters up around. They have to use social media and kind of put it out there and then take pictures um, through the glass, which is hard to do, but they learn how to take pictures to get as least amount of glares and what time of the day works best to take those pictures and make a full exhibit of their work. So that's kind of the goal. And then the kids also do Scholastics Art and Writing Award. They do um, the State Fair. Um, we always show at the Murray County Art Exhibit. Um, Nashville will do stuff. I want them out there because they've noticed that you know kids that win one award at one place will not win it at another function and they learn that you know it depends on who's during it who you know what kind of style were they looking for at that time another thing that i started watching um there's a portrait painting competition in the uk um and uh, it is Fabulous, and I'm going to start using it this year so kids can see all the different styles um, of portraiture, and they have to do a portrait of a famous um, actor in four hours, and you can see the whole process, and some of the paintings are like, oh, that one's going to win, and of course it doesn't win because they were looking for something else. And so for kids to see that, it's mind-blowing, but it is such a cool competition. And you can find it on YouTube. It's awesome. Yeah, I just think that's so great that you, no matter what the kids' future plans for art is, you treat them as though they're going to get a BFA in art because you understand that learning how to land a project is valuable even if they're going to be a surgeon, right? Like you're yes. gonna, you, you understand that teaching them how to from start to finish, deal with the social media, deal with the presentation, deal with uh, in invitations. That's gonna translate if they're gonna be a wedding planner. It's gonna translate if they're gonna get married. It's gonna translate to all types of experiences in life when you are managing other people and managing projects. And so I really think that that's really, really so good that you just build that in and have those really high expectations um, of kids in your classroom by bringing other people in and, and just positioning them to have authentic assessments as well as the, you know, um, the assessments that you already have built in. Um, so you had initially talked about passion, your art, your painting being a passion. Um, talk a little bit about through these, what I counted to be at least 16 years of teaching, how has art, how has your personal practice um, evolved and um, 
over those 16 years? I only had art one in high school as a ninth grader. And I had one of those teachers that it was her way. She didn't want to know anything. She was the the epitome of a bad art teacher. She didn't give surveys? She didn't give surveys after her assignments? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She criticized you all the time. You, you, I made a, I still have it to this day. And I show my kids every year I teach perspective in art one. And I have refined my teaching of one point perspective. So every kid gets it because it was such a pain for me. I have, I got an F on my perspective test and I still have it. And that was in 1989. And so I show my kids that every year and by the end, I give that same test, and I don't have one kid fail it. And they know what to do, which is, you know, it's not because we go over the test over and over. I want them, if they, I said one point perspective, find the vanishing point, and then go from there, they can all do it. Um, so I didn't want to be, I don't, I didn't have much experience. <laughs> so when I got to college, um, I liked painting, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And I had, I don't know if you know the artist George Crest. He's an American painter, watercolorist, fantastic. Um, He has several pieces in the American Museum, but I didn't know that at the time. And as an 18, 19 year old, I think I was 19, 19 year old, I I didn't take him serious because the way he thought was so way over my head. And, he taught me to loosen up and not worry about it looking realistic and just go for it and paint from your heart. And then your drawing will come and then you'll learn how to draw realistically. But with painting, it's more about your passion and, and getting the colors and where you're making those marks and how those marks are. So George Crest, by far the most influential in my painting. Um, and again, he taught watercolor and then, um, Ron Buffington, again, the guy that got me into teaching, he um, was the one that taught oil painting. And there, there's some type techniques of oil painting I still don't get, and there are some that I just fell in love with. Um, I started off loving um, more of a Fauvist kind of impressionist, kind of in that realm. Um, and then I met the palette knife, and I do most of my painting with palette knife, and I absolutely love it. I even teach some, I teach some marble painting and uh, with oil paint with only palette knives to art do, and it is a successful piece because the kids always see a paintbrush and everything has to be realistic, but with a knife you can't you can't make that, and so it's just following lines and laying down color, and there's that richness and the. Um, the texture of it and I just love it and the kids get it too which is phenomenal it's probably one of my favorite art too projects in painting is the palette knife marble painting but anyway so that's how I started and um, now I do more brushwork with oil paint Um, I still when I'm having really bad days I will paint watercolor and pen I like to do mixed-media stuff a couple of weeks ago, my daughter and I did embroidery with vegetables and then drawing the vegetable behind it or 
front of it or cutting the paper, just to experiment and to play. Because if I'm going to teach practice experimentation and revision, I need to do the same. So basically my practice now is just doing practice experimentation and revision. And they're short. Um, I've got too many other little things going on in the fire. But as my kids, one graduates this year and then one graduates the next year, I won't have children at home. So I'll probably, my practice will get bigger. I think that's great. I think it's really cool how um, you're always holding yourself accountable for the things that you're asking your students to be held accountable for. And so yes. that experimentation, asking them to take risk. If you're not taking risk, um, kids can tell when you're being disingenuous, not just in your classroom, but in every classroom that's ever existed in the world. And so I think that that's really great. Um, one of the things I want to ask you um, about is you're a member of the Tennessee Art Education Association, which is yes. where this podcast is emanating from. Talk a little bit about um, how that has been a resource for you and why you make that investment in in yourself by being a member? It's teachers. Um, I went to my first Tennessee Arts Academy, um, I don't remember how many years ago, quite a few years ago, probably six, no, longer than that, eight years ago maybe. And um, you, you're in studio with these teachers and I, at first you have this, oh my gosh, I'm in studio, I'm not gonna be good enough. And then you realize you sound just like kids coming into your classroom. So as soon as I got over that initial, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough, then um, I started relaxing and just creating. So they they helped me teach also because then I learned my classroom has to be relaxed. But then the teachers, you start making connections with them. Um, there is probably five teachers different all over Tennessee that I talked to um, especially with AP here, uh, trying to figure out how this works, what I need to do. Um, I have some that are AP photography teachers, some that are drawing, some that are 2D, um, and some that are 3D, and I work with them to kind of bounce ideas off. And we, you know, I'll send them pictures, hey, look at these, tell me, do these even look like they need to go in the, um, in the portfolio? That kind of camaraderie, you can't get from just the teachers in your county or in your school. Being able to see it from different viewpoints from different sections of Tennessee, it does help because they're, they're going to know stuff that just from their their kids and their community and stuff that you're not going to even think about. And like I had um, one artist this year who submitted and I, we were having a hard time putting all of our art pieces together and she goes oh my gosh this looks like these first three paintings have a, a, a not a muddier tone but a darker tone and then these are also bright so why don't you do the muddier tones for um, reality and the, the brighter colors as her dreams or what she wants to do and so her whole storyline for AP was based off of that. And that was like a month before we got out of school. And from that point, she got this new idea of how her whole position was going to be. And she wrote her, her whole sustained investigation in a matter of moments just because of that one teacher's little input into mm -hmm. it. 
And so did you find out about the Tennessee Arts Academy through the Tennessee Art Education Association or the other way around? Um, I found out about it through the Tennessee Arts Education Association because they they are the ones that are holding it. Gotcha. Uh, they kind of, you know, they say it a little bit, but I, when I first started teaching in this county, I taught at Central High School, and there were two other art teachers that were um, older than I was and had been, and they always talked highly of it. And then, you know, small children, you don't go, or, you know, whatever right. is going on. And then when I finally went, I was like, why haven't I done this sooner? And then you get in these bonds with them, where if you're not at one of the, you know, the fall convention or the, um, you know, summer convention or whatever, or wherever you are, they go, why aren't you here? And it just, I don't know, you, I don't, I, I need that. I need, you know, people where I don't have to act like a teacher. I can act like a student almost and learn things. Sure. Um, this has been really incredible um, finding out about your constant revision of of your curriculum but also constantly pushing yourself to experiment and how you have found camaraderie in the Tennessee Art Education Association and the Tennessee Arts Academy as a professional you're you know doing these professional development things um, I want to finish up with thinking about um, gratefulness and an object that you're grateful for a person that you're grateful for and a place and just to be really clear um, Jennifer, she just talked about knowing all those different people. This is not a competition. Um, you, she doesn't mean she's not grateful for you if she doesn't pick you. We're just talking about um, this is my restriction for her is one object, one person, and one place. Let's start with an object. An object? Oh, um, probably I have a set of <laughs> mid-century chairs. And I love them, and they make me happy, and they're so, they've just got an artistic quality quality about them, so I'm going to go with my chair. Awesome. <laughs> what I'm sitting in right now. Awesome. And who, what is a, who is a person that you're grateful for? My yoga instructor today. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And is that a, is that a daily practice for you, weekly practice? Not daily. Um, usually five days a week. Okay. That's awesome. Um, and then a particular place, and it could be an architectural place or a geographical place. Um. Um, I will go with UTC today, so Chattanooga, because that's where my whole career started, and I honestly couldn't see myself doing anything else. That's cool. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for giving us your um, time today. Before we go, Tell us that website that has all this incredible information that we can, that's open source and that we can dive into. Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. That's okay. Um, I, I, caught you, I, I caught you off guard for a little. Hold on. I'm going to get it for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, if it comes up. And will this have the upside down Apple triangle project on it? It can. I can put that on. Um, I actually have a... Um, I actually have a, um, a teacher resource page on there, and there is um, the um, there is the 
Tennessee fall session that I did for um, coming up with creative ways for kids to create art with very little teacher involvement in Mm -hmm. it. Um, And it's got a bunch of ideas. There's probably about 12 lessons. um, And I even do the write-up for it. And my website is jlamb, L-A-M-B, 00.wixsite.com backslash S-H-H-S visual arts. Okay. And I will will put that on in the show notes as well. And also lambs underscore lambs is um, my Instagram, and it has all of that stuff on there as well. And it has the pop-up art shows. It has um, examples of artwork, too. So that's J underscore Lambs? On... No, it's Lambs underscore Lambs. Oh, gotcha. That's right. Lambs. Sorry. Starting over, it's Lambs underscore Lambs on Instagram. Yes. Perfect. And I'll put yeah. that in the show notes. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. I'm really Really appreciate you taking the time. And for our listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of The Art of Outreach.